WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to The Sci-Files, an Impact 89 FM series focusing on student research here at Michigan State University. We're your co-hosts Chelsea Boudou and Daniel Puentes. If you're a regular listener of The Sci-Files, you would know that Daniel and I love science art. We love the interdisciplinary relationships that exist between science, art, and other things as well. Today we're talking to Maddie Eicher. She's closing the gap between fashion and medicine. I'll let her tell us more about it, though. Thanks for joining us today, Maddie. Can you tell me more about how you're closing this gap? Yeah, so I'm at Michigan State studying apparel and textile design and genomics and molecular genetics. So I'm getting a degree in fashion design and a more research-based genetic side of science. And so kind of my whole life has been spent divided between the arts and the sciences. I grew up sewing, painting, drawing, but then I was also really interested in math and science and learning, you know, the way that the world works. So in coming to MSU, I realized I didn't have to pick between my two interests. And so I've been able to work for the past four years in many different facets, connecting the two. Currently, my project revolves around redesigning the lab coat, which has been a garment that has been so stagnant for so long. And so I made for my senior fashion design collection, a collection of five different redesigned lab coats that are all made out of kind of unique materials to show that science can be fashionable and medicine can be fashionable and that the arts and sciences are not two distinct entities. When it comes to the generic lab coat, how often has it changed throughout history? And has the lab coat evolved as different practices changed? So that's a really good question. Honestly, the lab coat hasn't really changed much. First appeared around the 1800s, and since then it has kind of stayed pretty stagnant. It has always been a traditionally white garment, which is white so that you can see any kind of chemical contamination or spills and anything medically related like blood or something like that where you don't want to be wearing it around your clothes all the time. But the overall silhouette of the lab coat has been basically the same since it was initially created. The only thing that I can think of that has been changed is that as more women have become or come into the science and medical practices, lab coats have become a little bit more tailored and more feminine in that way. But the overall silhouette, the buttons in the front, the pockets have pretty much stayed the same since the dawn of lab coats in the 1800s, which is interesting to think about because most of our garments that we wear today are not the same that they were in the 1800s. So why has this one stayed this stagnant? Yeah, I think the most I've seen a lab coat change is where they have like an elastic thing by the hands, which I really wish I had that because my lab coat is always dragging and getting stuck on certain things. For example, my lab coat is covered in pink highlighter, not on purpose, but it just leaked all over it. And I think about it from a different perspective of how a variation of a lab coat can be a clean suit where it's just a lab coat covering the entire body, whether it's your pants, your shoes, your head as well. And I can't imagine that has had much variation as it evolved through history as well. Yeah, Daniel, you bring up a really good point. There are two different materials that we're talking about, though. For example, my lab coat, I think, is made of like polyester and cotton. We can easily put that in a washing machine. Where you're talking about, from what I remember, it feels kind of like a plastic material. So Maddie, how are you trying to evolve this lab coat in regards to a material it's made out of? Yeah, so you're right in kind of assessing the typical lab coats as being made out of cotton and polyester. 
it's usually made out of a material that is, of course, easy to clean and you don't want it to be flammable or things like that because obviously being in a lab space, there are lots of dangerous things around and you don't want your garment to aid in the disaster. In my personal research and my project that I've been working on, I've actually been playing with unconventional materials. So we know that the lab coat needs to be sterile, it needs to be clean, and it really honestly doesn't really need to have much more than being functional. But I wanted to really play with the opposite end of things and explore how we can make these garments into something that is fun to look at, while not necessarily useful in a lab space that is more fashionable and brings out the wearer's identity more. So the garments that I've made have, were made out of a fake fur, a clear vinyl plastic material, a iridescent pleather. One of the lab coats that I made is a wedding dress lab coat made out of a polyester and tulle material. And then the last lab coat is made completely out of knit materials, including jersey fabric and hand knit pockets. So none of these materials would be useful in a lab space as they're not easy to launder necessarily, or some of them are very flammable, but I just wanted to kind of play with the unconventional in that way. The idea of a wedding lab coat really interests me, actually. I've never considered something like that before. Yeah, it also interests me because in my lab, at least, we're not allowed to even wear dresses. We always have to keep our legs and our feet covered. But related to a comment that you said earlier, one of the things that is functional about these lab coats is that you're able to determine whether or not something got spilled on yourself. How does the functionality maintain itself with these different evolutions that you've determined and created? So as I mentioned, all the lab coats that I've been making are with these new, interesting, and unconventional materials. And so my lab coats are very colorful. The fake fur lab coat is pink and kind of a little bit white and shimmery as well. The iridescent one is kind of rainbow silver. And the knit lab coat is a teal. The wedding dress one is the only one that is typically white. And then the clear one is clear. In some way, the functionality of these lab coats remains the same in that you could still see a chemical spill on, say, the wedding dress lab coat or even the knit one. But with the introduction of color, it actually becomes more difficult to see. And I think this is interesting to think about because the lab coat has pretty much stayed white consistently since the 1800s. But there are still other colors that we could be using that, you know, maybe a light blue or a light pink or something along those lines, where we would still be able to see any chemical or contamination that happens on the lab coats. So while mine are probably playing with colors and materials that are not useful and maybe are too dark so that you wouldn't be able to see a chemical spill, I think that there is still room to add color and a little bit of personality into the modern day lab coat. Those all sound really beautiful, Maddie. I hope I can one day see them in person. Whenever you were introducing yourself earlier, you said that you had a variety of experiences in laboratories. I'd like to understand that more so that we can really understand the inspiration behind these designs of the lab coats. How have your past experiences helped you design these beautiful lab coats? Being a half design student and half science student, I have gotten to kind of traverse back and forth from the arts classes and science courses. And so in my genetics degree, I've had to and been exposed to a lot of the traditional lab spaces like chemistry, organic chemistry, physics, all of the above. I've also participated in undergraduate research in the genetics side. For my sophomore and junior year, I worked with Dr. Patrick Venta in the canine genetics lab and got to do design primers for canine and bovine genetics. 
which was very interesting. And so I have had the exposure to the traditional stereotypical science lab space where you need to be covered. You don't want to have any chemical spills. You're dealing with reagents that are potentially harmful. But then I've also gotten to do research and have had a lot of experience in the arts and textile spaces as well. In my studio courses and this semester, I participated in research with another one of my professors where we were looking at scientific advancements in textiles. And so I've gotten to really kind of, I've had exposure to both the science and art research spaces. I'm also someone who potentially maybe wants to go to medical school at some point. And so I volunteered at hospitals and have worked in settings where I need to be wearing scrubs and stuff as well. So I have an understanding from my background of what it means to be in a scientific and medical space in a way that is protective and safe for you. But I also know what it's like to want to create and want to express myself and wear things that I just enjoy. So I think really having that scientific background has helped me understand kind of why it is important to, first of all, wear these garments in the first place, but also why we should be more expressive and play, push the boundaries that we haven't really pushed before. It sounds like you've had a lot of experience as well in the wet labs, or it sounds like you've had a lot of experience in the wet lab environments as well then. When it comes to the skills that you developed in these labs, have any of them been transferred into the work that you're doing in fashion design? For example, you said you had worked in a hospital where you may have learned about suturing. Have you transferred using that skill to create your own lab coats, or are you just involved in the design process of it all? I would say that my scientific background has directly impacted my skill and abilities within the artistic world. I'd also say the reverse of that is true. I think really both of these sides, technically and metaphorically, and have definitely helped strengthen each other. Looking at specifics, I actually learned how to sew fabrics and materials of that nature way before I ever learned or picked up a suture. I learned to sew when I was about eight years old. My grandma taught me. And so I've been able to kind of transfer that technical skill to a medical space. I joke that if I do go into medicine, I want to go into either plastic surgery or dermatology where an eye for aesthetics is important. But I also have joked that I already know how to sew, so I can sew people up and how much different can suturing be. In creating these garments, I created them completely myself. I bought the fabrics from Joann's and cut out all the patterns and sewed them together. I've always loved the physical creation of things and working with my hands. And I think that is a skill that has been beneficial in both the scientific and artistic spaces. I actually have a mentor at MSU who works in the College of Osteopathic Medicine, and she has said how knitting and doing kind of handcraft exercises has actually helped her surgical practice a lot. And it's something that a lot of people don't necessarily talk about because it is seen as more of a feminine thing. But if I'm knitting and working with my hands and I know how to sew, I can imagine that my life as a surgeon will be easier in some regards. So yeah, there's really been this kind of transfer back and forth between artistic skills that have helped me in my scientific spaces and the other way around. I really resonate with a lot of what you just said. For example, I love working with my hands, and when I was younger, I too learned how to sew. But I do not know how to suture. I have always been curious about the differences between them, though. Hopefully I'll never have to suture anyone up. I feel like you're really onto something, though. Have you thought about ways that you can still have a lab coat stylish and maybe improve a lab coat? 
Yeah, I have thought about ways to change the overall silhouette of a lab coat to make it something that is maybe more functional or maybe more fashionable. I think honestly that it is kind of the mindset of if it's not broke, don't fix it. The lab coat is functional and it does what it needs to do in a very effective way. And I think that has been a major reason why no one has really considered changing it at all. In my designs for this collection, I did play with more of the unconventionality to make more of an artistic statement of things. But I definitely think that there are ways in the future going forward that we could add a little bit of fashion and add a little bit of fun and style into the lab coats that already exist. Some ways that we could potentially do this is, again, by introducing just a slight variation in color. I think it could be even something that could identify status within a hospital. You know, usually different color scrubs indicate a different practice or specialty, and maybe that is something we could do with a lab coat. I think there could always be room for a little bit of sparkle and bedazzling. I've always wanted to deck out a lab coat, cover it with jewels. And for this project, my wedding dress lab coat has a completely beaded or hand beaded pearls all up and down the front. And that was a really fun way to introduce my love for extravagance into the lab coat. We wouldn't probably want to go that extreme, but just adding a little bit of glitter or sparkle here and there. I think I've seen some people put little pins or identifying symbols on the lapels. And that is something that we could introduce accessories, just small little accessories into the stagnant lab coat to just introduce a little bit of personality. And I think there are many opportunities to continue to explore new textiles that are being created that may be more protective or, you know, more resistant to bacterial growth, things like that, that could also improve upon the lab coat. But really, I think it is something that is very effective and doesn't necessarily need change. But I just think that if something that has been so stagnant for so long, why we should just play around a little bit and have a little bit more fun. I agree, Maddie. I'm all for increasing creativity in the lab environment. One thing I'm wondering about is have you done any sort of outreach to see what the attitudes about these new lab coats that you designed are? Were some designs liked more than the others? So I actually got to present this lab coat collection in two different spaces. I presented it in the Biomedical and Physical Sciences building on campus as part of the Microbiology Research Showcase, and that was interesting. I was right in the atrium, surrounded by these other presenters that were doing lab, wet lab-based research, and it was interesting to have a bunch of the science faculty and researchers kind of come by and look at my garments. A lot of them did point out that these would not be functional in a lab space. I was wearing the fake fur lab coat and I had the wedding dress displayed and a lot of people were very interested in them but saw that they would pose problems in a lab. The lab or the wedding dress lab coat goes to the floor and causes a potential tripping hazard. I think a lot of people liked that one though despite its lack of functionality because a lot of people get married and a lot of people are also researchers and scientists at heart. And I think that was really, was able to capture these two sides of a lot of researchers. I also presented the collection at URAF, where I was able to have, where I had an audience that came in and got to look, get up close to all the lab coats. And many people that I've talked to really liked my silver iridescent lab coat. It is very structured and kind of looks, it is very structured and also has these long wings attached to it that give it this kind of ethereal look that I think was very interesting to a lot of people. From the conversations that I've had with other scientists, whether they're my friends or faculty, a lot of people agree that the lab coat, as it currently is, is very boring and has been boring for a long time. 
And so I think for many of them, it was nice to see some sort of intrigue, some sort of exploration into different materials in these looks. Not that any of the ones that I made were necessarily going to be right into a lab space. I think I was really able to kind of capture this frustration that a lot of my science and medical friends feel in having their identity not really expressed in a lab coat. Well, Maddie, I think this is a really great idea because young girls, whenever they see this, it can maybe inspire them even more to go into STEM. Now, I have a few friends in medical school, and something that I've heard them talk about is their white coat ceremony, where they receive a white coat whenever they become a doctor. If the norms were to change and if it was no longer a white lab coat and, for example, a pink fur lab coat, do you think that the professionalism may decline or maybe the conceptions that people have towards if their doctor is a very good doctor or not? The lab coat is definitely a symbol of honor and professionalism. I do think there's something to be said in changing that. For example, if we have my clear vinyl lab coat and someone is wearing it with For example, if we have my silver sparkly lab coat and a doctor is wearing it and comes into the office, the patient may not necessarily respect them as much or think that they're as trustworthy, which is something that is interesting to think about in a psychological standpoint of why do we look garment as a symbol of honor? We think about those commercials where someone is an actor is playing a doctor and just because they're wearing a lab coat, we're trusting them even though they're not actually a respected doctor. So this garment has a lot of power, and I think that it's not going to be changed right away. There will be many potential concerns that would arise from lack of professionalism, lack of standardization across practices and globally through all kind of whatever doctors are wearing and how doctors present themselves. And so I'm not necessarily posing that we do immediately introduce these colorful fur lab coats or these wedding dresses into a medical space. But I think there are still ways where we could be able to express ourselves and show some individuality while wearing our lab coats. Well, this was definitely an interesting episode for Chelsea and I to record. Thanks for coming in today to talk to us about how we can make lab coats more fashionable. Thank you for having me. I love that you both love the crossover between the arts and the sciences. Really important for anyone listening to understand that they really aren't that different. And there is a lot of crossover between them. And we're not going to all be designing or wearing these fancy, fanciful lab coats. But there are ways to express yourself and be artistic, even in the traditionally sterile and spaces of science and medicine. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. To hear more about us and learn more about our episodes, check out scifiles.org. If you're a current MSU student that would like to be interviewed, please reach out to us at scifiles at impact89fm.org. We'll catch you next week on the Sci-Files, and remember, the truth is in the science.